2: Daytona is in the rear view mirror. We have a new Xfinity team on the market, and we also are entering the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs, all to be discussed here in the next hour or so. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast presented by Bet Online. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. So make sure to head over to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only. When signing up, and use the promo code NFL100. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And also thanks to our other sponsor, Balance 7. You can see how Balance 7 has helped Lamar Odom, who may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. He's been taking a new product. He owes the credit to Balance 7. So make sure to head over to Balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE for free shipping. That is code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. If it worked for him, it can work for you too. And just like I noted, we are out of Daytona weekend. It was a wild weekend. But uh, the first thing that obviously we're going to have to talk about on this podcast, there is a new Xfinity Series team entering the picture in 2022. Yesterday, if you were able to tune in to the Hall of Fame announcement, the announcement at the Hall of Fame, it is Alpha Prime Racing. And Tommy Joe, I'll let you take the floor and kind of give our opening statement here.
3: Uh, Well, obviously, we're excited about what next year holds with uh, alpha prime racing and, and martin's motorsports shifting into that we think we've got a, a great core of people here we think we've got a a bit of a head start on on what normally what new team looks like right we're, we're kind of just uh turning martin's motorsports into alpha prime racing so uh from from a process of what we're doing not a whole lot's going to change we are going to try to upgrade some of the uh equipment that we've got and do things a little bit bigger and better on the marketing side and, and really try to ramp that up. Um, I think Caesar brings a lot to this, and obviously we're really excited about Raja Karuth, who we also announced yesterday, uh, coming over to run a, a limited schedule with us in the Xfinity Series uh, with APR. And, and my position is going to stay relatively the same on the team as general manager and uh, still getting to drive some as well. Still going to wind up driving a um, 10 to 15 races for the team so i just think everything's gonna work out really good i'm really excited about it um i feel like we all complement each other pretty well I- i'm sorry if i'm not sitting here screaming i feel like i have <laughs> been the guy that's told this story uh, probably a, a 25 times in the last 24 hours so um it's still fun to talk about i'm reminded as i'm sitting in the martin's motorsport shop right now rj that we still have 10 races to go this year we're still in a points fight we still have a lot to accomplish and i owe it to those guys out there and, and myself really as a driver in my last full-time season potentially uh, to really go out there and finish strong
2: yeah. And we talk about so much about the competition in the Xfinity series. You know, we've even had some recent news lately, even not even just out for prime racing, we know, uh, as far as earlier today, Gregson's back in the nine for 2022, we know, Jesse woozy's new team is coming along and there's some current teams that could add different drivers, uh, second, third car to their teams. It's it's going to get well in the Xfinity series. We know it's only going to get deeper and deeper, and I'm sure you guys are excited for that challenge.
3: Yeah. uh, I feel like the field has potential to get even tougher next year. And and I feel like that's really a testament to the Xfinity series and the, and the platform here. It's a good car. Um, We get paid. Well, do I wish that it was a little better? Yeah, but we get paid well. Um, And it allows for a platform where you can raise sponsorship on a national level uh, and and do things on the business side uh, that, that allow you to go race on a realistic budget, right? Um, It feels like the truck series is probably a little off of that uh, with what their payouts are. And it feels like in the cup series, especially with the new car, that's going to get taken to a whole other level uh, from a funding standpoint. And maybe eventually that evens out, but especially at the beginning of it, it's just going to be really hard to raise the money for that as a driver if you're not already at that level. So I feel like we're in a really good spot for what we are. Um, Caesar wants us to grow. Caesar wants us to to be bigger and better. But I feel like we've already solidified ourselves as a solid B level team in the X-Infinity series. So I just feel like we naturally have a little bit of a heads up, a little bit of a head start on on what a lot of guys have uh, when they're at this point, like Jesse Awuji, for example, trying to start a team. Uh, been there been down that road uh, was there in december uh, a year and a half ago basically trying to start martin's motorsports again was there for iterations in the truck series and the xfinity series it's hard and this really starts with people and that's what i feel like uh, puts us in such a great place we just have great people here at martin's motorsports that's why we've been able to run well that's why we've been able to have the success that we've been able to have this year that's uh, put me in a good position to be successful. And I think that's what, uh, it's what Jesse see or not Jesse, but that's what Caesar sees. Hi, <laughs> Jesse Wooji on the brand. Uh, and I wish him nothing but the best with his deal. Um, but I think with Raja and with Caesar, I think they, they both saw the same thing here is what we're trying to build. And, um, I'm trying to scale back, man. Like I'm not trying to do as much. I'm trying to get my family away from this a little bit. Uh, so I think this, this all complements each other pretty well i'm still going to get to have some fun and run some races i'm also going to be able to get some stuff that i want to do like i talked about yesterday in the press conference uh the all-american 400 at the end of the year uh, in late models that's something that i've always wanted to do it's a race that means a lot to me i just haven't been able to run it uh because it always conflicts with what we're doing on the nascar schedule so by opening up some of those dates uh By limiting my schedule a bit, it's going to really help me to use my sponsorship that I'm able to raise in a different way and a very fun way um, and an exciting way because it's going to be a little bit new to me and a little different uh, than what I've been used to. I want to run some dirt. I want to run some sports car stuff. Uh, There's some other things that I want to do uh, in racing that aren't just NASCAR. Um, And as I'm moving into this part of my life, uh, which is going to definitely be more on the management side. Uh, I'm excited about the opportunities.
2: I know I've seen that uh, AAN A- A- uh, adjusters Trans Am car running around. Uh, I've seen that somewhere. Very sick
3: paint job going on there. you going to hop in one of those? Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, that's what Darren Mock out there at Trans Am. Um, they run that deal through uh, another team out there in Trans Am. Look, Trans Am's badass. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Um, I think for me, what I would really like to get into is more endurance racing, some more kind of longer format stuff with multiple drivers where I can have teammates. Um, that seems really cool and interesting to me. Caesar's living in that world now. He's going to be racing uh, full-time GT3 uh, Lambo um, series and, and and going for a championship in that. So I think there's opportunities there for me. Uh, I'm really interested in kind of looking into that world, peeking into it a bit more. That's really a world that I had my foot in slightly over the last six years when I was working out there at a... Uh, at spring mountain at Ron fellows uh, driving school out there and a lot of road racing experience through that. So uh, all of this is stuff that's cooking for me that I'm, I'm going to race. I just am looking at other stuff that I can do outside of just NASCAR, uh, because the level of money that it takes, the level of funding that it takes to do this year in and year out, I feel like almost like a politician with the level of fundraising that you're constantly having to do. And I think that's what burns me out on it the most. I have great partners I have great partners that have helped make this dream a reality for us. Um, but maybe it's just because of where I'm from financially, I just get so worried about asking for money every single year, um, the way that we have to ask for it. And I think it's time for me to look at it and go, okay, realistically, what can my sponsors afford? That is good value for them. I'm not trying to overextend anyone. Uh, I kind of know what I am as a driver. I know where I can really succeed, and then potentially open that up for a few other drivers to come in and put them in the same position.
2: Yeah, uh, are we going to get a
3: uh, Alpha Prime Racing Rolex Twenty Four team sometime in the next ten years? Look, that's going to be more on Caesar's dime than mine. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, but you know, Caesar is is interested in all of this kind of stuff, and he just loves racing and i really think that the alpha prime brand fits the nascar world and it fits racing in general and caesar and his team and his marketing team you know figured this out a few years ago they thought it was a good spot for him caesar was ready to really step up and i feel like alpha prime racing is just a natural extension of that right i was just right place right time to kind of be the one to help put all this together and uh, caesar really um, and I, and I'm humbled by this, but Caesar seems to, to really trust me uh, on the business side because of what we've been able to put together over here. And it's going to allow him to be more, uh, big picture, uh, think about where he wants the team to go. And then I'm the person that's going to wind up having to execute a lot of that plan.
2: Yeah, exactly. So 18th this weekend at Daytona, I talked to you after the race. I know, obviously you probably wanted more position wise, but we were all kind of happy that we didn't tear up the entire field there in the last few laps because it really looked like there was a possibility that they were and we didn't made it through clean a lot of a lot of drivers got some solid finishes didn't have as many wrecked cars as we probably thought there was going to be and I mean you told me you're going to load it up and then take it to Talladega so I imagine there's still some positivity to take from that that you're not uh driving home a, a torn up race car
3: well look there's a lot of guys that were not as uh, lucky as we were right to get out of there um and I always think about that when I see people loading up after these races, it's just the, the you never take a light hit at Daytona when you're going 190 miles an hour. Um, these cars get torn up pretty bad. Uh, there were a few wrecks down the backstretch, but yeah, we, we got really, really fortunate. Um, the way the last 20 laps of that played out for us uh, after the, the last restart of the race, really, um, I was part of the last caution of the race. So we got rolling, we were trying to get ourselves in position. We had a fast car, things got single file. I was able to start picking people off one at a time. We were able to make those passes with the side drafts and we were kind of getting back up inside the top 20, trying to position ourselves inside the top 15, maybe even the top 10 there for a late run. And uh, just got kind of checked up, the top line checked up at a weird time. I wasn't able to get back in line, Um, got hung out, and was falling back. And I actually fell back behind that final wreck that actually involved Caesar. Yeah, <laughs> where, just You uh, had to go through the grass. Yeah. And I had to go through the grass and I was hundred percent sure, uh, with all the rainfall that we had had there at Daytona, that that was going to completely wreck our race car, just like we did uh, in the spring race. And yeah, luckily just happened to catch it at the right angle and kind of skipped over it. All we got was some grass on the grill and, uh, We're able to clean that off. I was smart enough at least to, as soon as I noticed the water temp climbing, I knew that was debris on the grill. I knew it was grass and probably mud. And so I shut it off and coasted for a pretty long way. Didn't hurt the motor, never never even got the motor above 230 degrees. So uh, 240 is the point where we start getting worried about it. 265 is when it starts pushing water out the side. Uh, So we never even really got it hot. Uh, We were able to bring it down pit road and clean it all off, go back, re-rack them and do it again. And you're right, RJ. I mean, if you watched the last five laps of that Xfinity race, you would have thought there was going to be a big wreck every lap. Uh, We were three wide for the last three or four laps of the race. Um, And we always position ourselves, and so many of our teams in the Xfinity series position themselves kind of behind the big pack, expecting a wreck, uh, which normally you're not disappointed uh, but I look at some teams like B.J. McLeod's team, like Johnny Davis's team, like some of those guys that that do lurk in these super speedways, taking the approach that we're going to be really conservative. They're going to wreck. We're going to get some free spots. We're not going to have to risk our race car. It's a pretty smart plan. We kind of go with a hybrid of that. where We, we stay back for a long period in the race. When things look like they're getting single file, we'll move forward. We started doing that things started getting wild. I kind of hung at the back of that three wide pack, made a couple of moves. And as we were coming off turn four in the last lap, I was probably running 13th, 14th. And uh, it looked like Jason Wright right next to me was going for a ride and he made a hell of a save. But when I saw a car basically, you know, 80 degrees sideways next to me, I lifted and lost a lot of my momentum and uh, wound up falling back a couple spots. So I was disappointed in that. But You know, honestly, to be fair to myself, if I put myself in that position again, RJ, I'd do the same thing. I mean, you you see a car really yawed out. The thing that we've seen at these Daytona wrecks so many times is the overcorrection that makes that car snap back across the pack and take out a bunch of cars. And the reason I lifted was to try to cross over when he did that. I figured that's exactly what was going to happen. And then he caught it. So, I mean, I can't blame myself for reacting. I mean, that's what I'm in the car to do. So it just, it didn't work out. We wound up with a, still a clean 18th place finish. Uh, props to call Racing for blocking out the first three spots, basically three wide for the last several laps and and uh, all those pushes that were going on through the field. Man, I mean, it's really intense at the end of these races. We got another chance to do it at Talladega with a clean car. And uh, that's a big help to, to me and a lot of teams there in that bunch. I just know that if you went through the grid and asked uh, guys on BJ McLeod's team, guys on Johnny Davis's team, um, they would probably look at that and go, eh, that's kind of disappointing because we were hanging in the back expecting a wreck and it didn't happen, right? So they're not going to be mad that they got a clean car, but those are races that they expect to get better points.
2: Yeah, and you had told me before the race how, I mean, you guys had a good starting spot, start 12th, and you knew that, you know, Usually your plan is drop the back, hang out, just like you were saying, and you weren't going to, you know, you were going to chill out there. You weren't going to do anything big. You weren't going to make any, you know, big moves, big passes like that. I'm, you fell, you went to the, you know, to the back of kind of that big pack relatively quickly and kind of were hanging out. And that's what most of them did. I know you and, and Landon and everybody else were kind of hanging towards the back. They were kind of switching it up a little bit at the front, but all we got changed, obviously when, when the rain hit, uh, I believe 19 laps we got through on the friday night and then the rain delay to saturday and i was you know it's it was really cool to be there this weekend and see kind of what all the teams were going through under the rain delay because i was talking to, to brad brad Perez on the team martin's motorsports and he was saying nobody had a hotel, you know, planned for the next day and, and kind of, you know, from your standpoint, kind of run through what are these teams, because it's not just rain delay, not just, all right, we're going to move on to the next day. There's a lot of other factors, you know, that, that go into these, you know, rain delays, like, because you're not planning to stay for Saturday.
3: Sure. And, and every team goes into scramble mode, big and small here. Um, you have contingency plans. Uh, for me, I wound up being the travel coordinator for our team. So that was up to me to figure out. I had already booked us rooms in Orlando because we that's where we flew into to go to Daytona. It's a little cheaper there. It's about an hour away. And so I'd already booked us rooms in Orlando because we were flying out in the morning uh, from Orlando. Uh, but we just said, okay, well, I guess we're just going to stay in Orlando. <laughs> So we just saddled up and drove over there and drove back in the morning. Luckily, we didn't have to go in too crazy early. I think it was about 10 o'clock when we went in. So uh, we all got over there at about midnight, slept eight hours, got up, drove over. So it really wasn't that bad for us. The bad part of that for me was, was booking flights again uh, later that afternoon. And you go, oh, well, Daytona is about eight hours. You drive down. Well, some people did that. Some, some teams do that. We've been a team that has driven down to Daytona before. Um, this time, as a little reward for the guys, <laughs> I tried to get a flight and that wound up backfiring. So, um, had to book them again. Spirit Airlines came through with a clutch. Thank you, Spirit oh, Airlines. I always do. For, uh, for having a cheap flight out of Orlando. Still wasn't that cheap, probably cost us $600. And so, you look at that, and, and to be honest with everybody listening to the pod, that rain delay probably cost my team about $900 worth of travel cost, which yeah. that's a bummer. And But I know there are other teams that definitely spent way more than us. I was talking to Sam Hunt's team, who they fly race day air. So race day air, it's more expensive to fly, but basically it's a private chartered flight that flies in basically the morning before the garage opens and leaves right after the garage closes. So theoretically – You wouldn't have to buy hotel rooms nearly as frequently as as what we do on Martin's Motorsports. Now, it is more expensive, but it is nice for the people on the crew. They're not on the road as much, and you don't have to buy as many hotel rooms. All right, that's the compromise. Well, here we go. So now Sam is in a position where he's buying more expensive flights, but then he had to stay another day anyway. So he still had to buy hotel rooms. (laughs) So he still winds up. You know saddling up on probably a 1500 hundred dollar hotel bill or more for that extra night um so like you think oh well i got these race day flights i'll get out of the travel business no not really everybody gets stuck with it so we all hate rain delays it's not just the fans it's not just tv of course it affects our pocketbooks too and
2: they got stuck in the grass 2016 they were right, right right in front of right in front of your box because i was sitting right there and they were just uh that car was because the
3: 26 is has had a lot of speed everybody like listening to the pod here that's one of those teams that right now is probably not finishing as well as their pace has been in that 26 car and that's unfortunate i think colin gear it's a good driver and he's a he's a good kid so we were going to try to work together and in fact i think he tweeted out after the race he said tommy joe and i had the bottom working we were making some passes and said, so I just lost it. And I mean, that's a bummer to hear. And, and it also is proof that the side draft in these cars and the way the air moves around, yeah, it can catch you off guard sometimes. And, and Colin's a guy that just hasn't been in the seat as much as frequently as he probably should be, right? And now you're put in a position where maybe the car makes a move that you're not expecting, right? And I'm not putting a lot of blame on Colin here. I just think you know, he's a kid with some talent that we talk, talk about experience and just being in the car more often. It's the same thing that happens to Caesar, uh, who is now a part of my future. But with Caesar only wanting to run four or five races a year, well, that's great. But you're basically getting in an Xfinity car with no practice. And you're just kind of thrown into the mix at Daytona and Talladega. I think the fact that the guy drove up and got seventh place stage points says a lot about the car that that dgm was able to bring for him and and about his aggressiveness on these speedways he'll get up in there and race he's not afraid of it a bit uh but the move that winds up taking him out of the race is probably a move that with a little more experience he probably doesn't make it he probably doesn't try to to fill that gap uh there in front of jordan anderson and wind up getting himself in a wall
2: yeah colin uh, I think he was, he was the guy, I think that came up to us right when the rain delay was happening. And he was like, I hate these super speedways. He's like, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, uh, cause I think he's back in the car this weekend at Darlington. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the shorter tracks and, and stuff like that. So Good, good to see, good to see him back though. Um, at, at Darlington this weekend, I believe will be will be cool. Unfortunate circumstances at Daytona, but yeah, like you talked about, it's it's hard to get back in there like like Caesar's situation, running just a few races a year and then getting back in the car. And yeah, he, he was running up front uh, at good portions of the race, and then unfortunately, probably just a, a miscommunication. Something happened on the back stretch, I believe he was just. Trying and
3: by to the get way, up. everybody that's like, "Oh, what's the spotter doing?" Well, the spotter for Caesar right there was Mark Gregory. He's a guy that's been around for a really long time spotter for me he's a good spotter that is a really tough job at daytona and people need to appreciate it more you got one spotter he's literally looking two miles through binoculars down the backstretch yeah you make the call on that you clear him up it's really hard (laughs) so if we're off and you're if you're off by an inch you just wrecked like six people so Big props to the spotters when we go to these speedways, Pepper and I, my spotter, we always take a pretty conservative approach to it until we absolutely have to be aggressive there at the end. Uh, We we know what it takes in the last 15 laps. Those holes get tighter, um, You know, those margins get smaller. Uh, I'm sure Caesar would probably tell you, yeah, that was probably a little, maybe just a smidge too early to to try to make that move and, and, and fill that gap. At the timing of this, and this is what you just don't know, right? Caesar was frustrated because he felt like he said, "Yeah, I probably did it." Jordan could have also let me in rather than just hook me in the fence. It's not like that. That was beneficial to Jordan either. <laughs> like yeah. you know, Jordan winds up finishing, uh, you know, kind of in the middle of the pack there as well because of it. So you know, that's probably a double whammy. But at the same time. The timing of that when Mark cleared him versus when Caesar made the move, like that's something I don't know, right? I mean, all I can do is react to it. All I was doing was being mad that I was behind it because I felt like I had really moved up in the in the chain further and then got hung out and then all of a sudden had to jump my car through the grass down the backstretch to try to avoid it. So that's the penalty. And and that's how I look at these things, RJ. Is like the moves that you make, people go, oh, we got swept up in a wreck. Okay. Well, what led to that? Why was I in the back? Well, I I didn't finish a pass and then kind of got hung out and then I got pushed in the back. Well, that was what eventually put me in that position that I had to risk my car, right? So those are the things that in speedway racing uh, that I find so fascinating and why I love it so much. And I'm I'm glad that I got another opportunity with it uh, at Talladega later this year.
2: Yeah. One of, one of the cool things that I enjoyed when I got there to the track, you know, this week, this is my first time in the Xfinity garage and you see, I got there about, I think it was about an hour after the garages had opened and you see that the, the drivers that are there, you know, working on the cars or some drivers that, that aren't at the track yet. Obviously you were there. First guy I ran into is Josh Williams working on the car. Uh, I believe. And, and there was you know, a handful of other drivers that are there. Mike Harmon, you know, working on the race car. Bailey Curry wasn't racing this weekend, but he was there working on the race car. One of them that I saw was Austin Sindrick was there real early. We're helping his team, working on the race car. And then like, I'm not in the garage every week. So I don't know how significant that is for a team, but it's just someone that I know I've talked about, we've talked about before. I just have so much, you know, respect for Austin Syndrick and the progression, a guy where people on social media want to say, oh, just because, you know, he's got these connections, that's why he's driving the two car next year. Like, no, this guy has been working like for years. And he is just, I feel like the guy, when you talk about progression in the Xfinity series and what you want for de- development of a driver, how far he has come when he was just racing, even you know, the 19 in trucks. But I kind of look at it as, as when he was driving the 60 car and, and Xfinity to where he is now, he's a champion. Yeah. He's going for another championship. He has progressed so much as a driver and it sucks because he's had two, you know, bad luck just getting turned really getting wrecked at Michigan. Uh, and at Daytona now where he's lost the points lead, but he led the points for 22 straight races to open this season, which I believe is a record by a crazy amount. Like I think the previous record was seven races that someone's led a standing. So he led it for the first 22 and it's taken, you know, two DNFs to to take him out of that points lead. But that's just someone that I have a lot of respect for uh, Austin Sindrick as a driver. And we've talked about it so much on this pod. It's going to be interesting to see if he does go for two this year.
3: Yeah. and and got an unfortunate break there at Daytona where he just gets hooked into the, <laughs> into the wall. Uh, so a couple of weeks here where really, yeah, there's nothing Austin really did wrong and, and winds up wrecked, you know, up there at the front of the field, the aggression level is so high, um, at these speedway races and, and really at these races in general, up at the front of the field, the moves that you have to make side draft, pulling each other back, pushing each other on restarts, getting going. Um, that's something that Austin was probably, he, and he would admit this, a little over his head at the beginning of his career, right? It's not that he wasn't trying to make those moves. It's just he went and pulled many of them off, and he wound up wrecking a lot of race cars. But through that, he has learned so much. He has developed more than, than any driver I can remember uh, racing around uh, into a very well-rounded champion. And anybody that made fun of that deal with Austin Cedric going over to the two-car next year, uh, have you been watching the same races I've been watching? Because he's yeah. clearly the best pick in the Xfinity series right now. If you're looking for a development uh, driver, a younger prospect to come up in at the cup level, he's the obvious choice. And he was in the Penske family, and he's familiar with all the sponsors. Uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty easy choice,
2: exactly. It's gonna see, uh, real interesting to see how he does in the cup series next year, but today. Was cup series media day which is still going on right now uh but most of it was earlier they're doing a whole bunch of stuff but we're preparing for the cup series playoffs which we had the cutoff race on our last saturday saturday night at daytona didn't see any new winners but we did see a crazy points battle between reddick and austin dylan lots of stuff happened at the end ultimately tyler reddick gets the last playoffs but we we had a lot of shows of guys who were in must wins i mean corey lajoy kind of had his glory moment almost had it was Almost there, Chris Busher. Almost there, they got DQ'd after the race, but he was almost there. BJ McLeod couldn't get in the playoffs, but he did get a top 10. So he, well, he got ninth officially, which is, which is awesome. And alligator car, best Florida thing this weekend for sure. (laughs) Um, but it, but it was a really interesting race and that's, you know, we've talked before, that's how NAS that's what NASCAR wants. This is the second year that we've had the cutoff race at Daytona. I felt like this year was going to be even more intense with how many must win situations we had in the field. And I feel like, you know, it, it delivered once again.
3: Yeah. And the position, this is where people talk about the schedule and how we've moved things around. One of the best changes we've made to this is Daytona as the cutoff race uh, for the playoffs, which is why I am a champion of that happening in the Xfinity series as well. I think it leads to a more exciting, more fun race. Um, Just like we saw the intensity in that Cup Series race from the start of it was so high uh, all through the field. And That's what we want. If we want to hype up the playoffs, if we want to make this a big deal, then that last chance to get in has got to feel like a last chance to get in. And it really did. So credit to NBC, credit to NASCAR on the scheduling of that. Um, Exciting race throughout the entire race. Uh, Obviously, you don't love that it turns into a shit show at the end of the race like it did. Uh, I would say that whether this is a playoff cutoff race or not, It's probably going to turn into that anyway. We've seen it. Uh, The package slowed the cars down a little bit. I don't feel like it really affected the racing and the way that those runs developed, Um, at least from from my perspective, watching, right? Heard the guys in the cars talk about that a little bit, but um, I don't think it hurt the fan experience watching it very much. Uh, And and overall, just an excellent race, I think, start to finish. Uh, My complaint here, here we go. This is Tommy Joe. Yelling from the rafters about things that are never going to change. And I will, I'm sure there are several people that will tell me how dumb I am. Just let them race back to the checkers. The wreck happens in turn four. It in turn three, really. Happens in turn three. It's a two and a half mile racetrack. The leaders have separated themselves. From the pack now there's five of them that have cleared the pack everything's on the line and now chris busher is sitting there basically about six car lengths back with a run at the 12 car coming to the line off turn four at daytona and we turn the yellow lights on and i get it it's a big wreck i get we want to get the safety personnel over there i understand it I just always ask in these moments, I hear people go, well, we got to get the safety trucks out there really fast. You know, people are, if get hurt, believe it or not, I understand that, especially if it happens in the short shoot, turn one, all right, well, you can't have cars go all the way around, come back to start, finish line, still wide open, doing 200 miles an hour. That's not good, right? Totally understand it. When the wreck happens down the back stretch, into three, into four, let them race to the line. This is literally the only, this is the most exciting part, not the only, there's several exciting parts, but it's the most exciting part of every race is, oh my gosh, they're neck and neck coming to the line, checkered flag out. And you just kind of rob that. And I get it's done for safety. I am pro safety. This is not an anti-safety thing. Get the safety personnel out there. They go, we can't do that until we throw the yellow. I get it. There's nobody there anymore they're all gone like they're already through turn three and four racing back to the line so that's just a moment that me this is me as a driver as a competitor in this series i'm not mad at them racing to the line in that moment with that much on the line and like all that going on contextually like i just want to see that be used a little more in context we've wrecked now down the backstretch the, the guys that cross the finish line have a mile and a half to slow down for the wreck. Now they're going to get slowed down. That's not a problem. Just let them race to the line. And then as soon as the leader crosses the line, freeze the field, put the yellow out. That's fine. All right. That, that's, I'm cool with that. You don't want the guy in 20th racing back to the line. All right. I get it. But at least let the leader cross the line for the win in a situation like that. Because I feel like we've gotten robbed of that several times at these speedways. Where a wreck happens in the back, into three, into four on a on a white flag lap, and they freeze the field, and I get, I get it, I get freezing the field. Like I understand it, if when they cross the line, there are now going to be cars sitting there that are wrecked, and we get, we can't have that. Fine. So if it happens into turn one, into turn two, even, I get it. It happens further down the back stretch, three, four. Coming through the trioval, what are we doing? Like let them let them race to the line with everything that's at stake. I feel like we would have seen an even better finish to that race with a couple of guys probably side by side going for the win there.
2: Yeah, and I feel like that would have to rely, you know, partially rely on spotter communication as well. You know, having spotters let their driver know. Like, I mean, every spotter is even when in half. We all have spotter three. You know, wrecking four. You know, something like that. Yeah, all back it down.
3: For- It's again, it's not like we're just flying blind out there. And and so uh, that's all. Uh, And that's not me really complaining, I should say. That's just a question really more than anything else that goes, I've seen these calls get made sometimes really quick, sometimes not at all. I mean, we had a car that was smoking on the inside, going into turn one. Joe Graf's car had the tire basically rub off or something, I don't know, smoke covering the entire racetrack in front of the whole field as we're three wide, going into turn one, I backed out of it. No caution. Okay, so I, I just don't know what a caution is anymore. And then when I see this critical moment at a race where, okay, yeah, there's a big wreck, but here come the leaders off turn four race into the line like I would just hold my hand on the button for a minute there and let them finish the race yeah for sure the the one thing
2: I can think of um is obviously Brennan Poole being robbed at Talladega when they reckon that this wasn't even a turn three and four wreck this was a wreck in the, the trial at Talladega and he had the win Basically, and they threw the yellow before. I mean, I'm trying to remember. Now we go
3: back to this undetermined point that really nobody, even the guys in the car, don't know who the winner is in that moment. And that's like a really weird thing to think that you're handing the trophy and the checkered flag to a person that doesn't even know if they've won the race. That's not a spot we should ever be in. Everybody should be very clear who wins the race. We have a line that we all race to. The reason that we have created overtime rules is to basically make sure that we have an exciting finish, that everybody sees cars racing to the checkered flag. So to me, the freeze in the field in these situations, again, if it's right in front of the finish line, if it's into turn one, if it's at Bristol, where you're going to be back around there in like two seconds, I get it. It just feels like there needs to be some context here. And that really is up to the person that is sitting there on the button. Really, that that's that person's determination. I get that you want the rule book to be super clear on that, but eventually it has to just be somebody watching the race with a feel for it going, okay, there's the wreck. They're not going to come back around to that. We're going to let them finish this off. Okay, caution now. Exactly.
2: There's 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 ways definitely okay because it's different every time. It's it's almost like they do it as a, a judgment thing, and it's not really, you know. Sometimes happens in three. They call. Calls I, I calls want a judgment call. here.
3: This is yeah. this is one of those weird moments where I'm sitting here going. Actually, I like it to be a judgment call. Yeah. In that moment, it just feels odd to me that you're taking the checkered flag at Daytona half throttle with a guy five that car yellow was behind very
2: quick um, yeah, I mean that Saturday. was a
3: quick yellow there and I was like oh man I thought they were gonna let him race back to the line here and we've seen situations like this before where they wreck in turn four like I think about when James Busher won his race at Daytona uh in the summer Xfinity or in the the February Xfinity race cars everywhere and James Busher is the only one that makes it through there. And he races off turn four and wins the check and wins the, the race. Okay. So there is no, <laughs> we can point to this in a lot of ways and just be like, eh? I just am always pro racing to the checkered flag on the last lap. <laughs> if, if there's something that I can be for in racing, I want us to see us take the checkered flag at full speed.
2: Yeah, for sure. I was, I was, uh, I'd made it up to the grandstands for the finish that race. And it was definitely unfortunate. I saw them wrecking. I'm like, ah, they're going to throw it and they threw it. So right. it, it was unfortunate.
3: Now we think about that race in New Hampshire. This is several years ago where there was a wreck that happened basically at the start finish line. They wanted everybody to race back to the line. And then we wind up KOing and like another 12 cars. Right. That's bad. If there's a wreck at the finish line yeah, Put it out. Like I get it. Nobody's going to be mad right there because they're going to be like, oh, dang, man, there was a wreck literally on the start finish line there with the leaders coming to the checkered. Nobody's going to be mad at NASCAR for making that call, right? They're just going to be mad at the car that wrecked and ruined the ending of the race. So I feel like this is kind of a no lose situation. Maybe I'm nitpicking it here because I just saw what was brewing. I saw uh, Busher in that 17 car getting a big run. I was like, oh man, this is it. Playoff on the line. Can Blaney throw a blow? Oh, and it's over. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess nobody else had that reaction to it.
2: Yeah, I, I remember the um, the race at Phoenix in like 2012, I believe. It was obviously the famous um, Jeff Gordon, Clint Boyer incident, but I always forget what happened after that. Arvik won the race. And I, I, I just remembered, I haven't even thought about this in a while. I think Danica Patrick was on the front stretch in that 10 car, like leaking fluid all over the racetrack, going probably like 10 miles per hour. She's sitting there at the start finish line. Race is green. Harvick wins the race. And you look at everybody behind him slipping on the oil in, in turn four. And all of a sudden we've piled up like 10 cars at the finish of the race. And there was like no caution
3: thrown, I don't think, from what I can recall. Right. And we're right back to... <laughs> What is a caution? None of us know anymore, and and we just <laughs> move on. We laugh about this every week, and we move yeah. on. So I had a, I have a question about uh, on
2: Saturday. When I, you know, I was there to obviously in, enjoy Daytona. It was a lot of fun. It's some great, you know, reporting and stuff like that. A lot of fun. And I also took my cameras, getting some grid shots, people walking up on Saturday, Saturday morning or afternoon, I should say for the Xfinity race. Everyone's walking through like, you know, with the Rolex sign, everything like that. All the drivers got some great grid shots. Me and me, it was like. 10 minutes until the race and, and Matt had come over to me. who was shooting for you guys. And he was like, have you seen Tommy Joe yet? And I'm like, no, I'm kind of waiting for him. Where did, and then all of a sudden I turn around like five minutes later and you're at the car. Where, where
3: did you go? I don't know. Maybe I went to the bathroom. Like, why did, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, boy, everyone what a, was walking what a so we talked about this with the crew, uh, big props to all the crew members down there at Daytona for that deal. You had a lot of pit crews, The things that really suck for them are double headers, okay, where you're running two races on one day because a lot of the pit crews wind up pitting for multiple cars. So the standard weekend is there's a race on a Friday night. There's a race on a Saturday afternoon. There's a race on a Sunday afternoon. That's the standard weekend for them where they get to work a race, sleep, kind of rehydrate, get back at it on a Saturday rest hydrate get back at it on a sunday it was brutally hot in daytona this weekend and rj you could speak to it the air was thick it was 95 degrees 90 percent humidity and i really feel like there are some weeks where it's better to be in the car than it is to be on pit road and this was one of them yeah Legit. i felt like it was brutal for the crews and for them to go back and do another race after that Good grief. I mean, these guys are tremendous athletes and you got to give them all their props. It was, it was a tough, tough day. And with everything on the line for those guys in the cup series for several of them, where their crew is basically pitting another car before that and how perfect and how much you wanted them to execute there under the clutch. And you were asking a lot out of those guys. So props to them. Yeah. I spent
2: the entire Xfinity race on pit road and it is, it is hot. I mean, you're talking about for, for the pit crews who are obviously in full gear, you know, I was just wearing, you know, dry foot polo and pants, but they're all in full gear, um, you know, doing all these pit stops, things like that. Exhaust, uh, you know, car smoke, everything like that. It, it's crazy hot down there. One thing I will say that was very refreshing uh, on Friday night. This is something that I'm, I'm just going to make a claim. Uh, Martin's Motorsports has the coldest water I've ever tasted. on. <laughs> so <laughs> I, w- I was thirsty. I was off a drink uh, during the rain delay grabbed a water you open the cooler and you can just see it i mean up in the air all the the the, the frost everything like that i'm taking the water <laughs> out and i'm drinking it for about a minute i'm like damn this is cold water and i'm and the frost is coming out of the water bottle as i'm like i'm it's out of the cooler cooler shut everything like that i'm just standing on pit road i'm kind of sitting by the pit wall talking with with brad and, and a few other people and it's just Frosting like crazy i'm like my goodness this is some cold water so like at least you guys do have some refreshments down there which is great It's great
3: see these are things that i don't know rj it's like i'm not usually in the pits so got, this is I great think gra- i think you that. grabbed something out of yeah, there. yeah I, right? I probably grabbed some ice to throw in the uh yeah, in the old water bottle no. before the race but that's that's good to know
2: So with the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs coming up today, I got to speak with Steve Letart, some of the NBC crew and the drivers, of course, since it was media day, about the upcoming playoff round. Now we look at the upcoming round as Darlington, Bristol, Richmond, or sorry, Darlington, Richmond, Bristol. Still very tough tracks, going to have a lot of tire wear, going to have a lot of strategy. And with that strategy comes Steve Letart in the booth. So I got to ask him today on how the crew chiefs might take uh, these next three weeks of action.
1: Well, I think Darlington's stressful because there's tire wear and then the patch that they've put in turn two is a big topic of conversation with all of the drivers and crew chiefs I've talked to. They just don't know what that's going to do. The grip in turn two should be great, but as these uh, two drivers on this call will attest, all that means is you're going to get to turn three about five miles an hour faster. And that's perhaps the easiest corner in all of NASCAR to overdrive. So who can manage that? And then... um, you know, the, these long run speed in your car setup is this new variety of NASCAR because with the wave arounds, double five restarts and the free pass, it's morphed into this really creative uh, green flag fit strategy. We just saw it even in Daytona, uh, the Fords versus Chevys versus Toyotas. And I think that we're going to continue to see that. That's what I do. I'm glad we don't have 500 mile races or 500 lap races every week, but I do love when some pop up on the schedule because it allows those stages to be long enough to really put the crew chiefs in a in a... I'll call it a precarious situation, right? It's not as clear cut as it is some of the shorter races. So I think that's um, an aspect of the job that we can't shy away from. It kind of doesn't exist in Xfinity or truck, the way their stages are. So I love to see the cup guys, the cup crew chiefs, and how they dissect some of these races. Um, And then you put the pressure of the playoffs on that. And the pressure of, you know, it's easy to be aggressive in the regular season after you have a win. I remember that my last year was great. Once you win a race, you can just, you know, you're playing with house money. But now you're back in the playoffs it's all been reset. So who clams up? Who tightens up? Who stops calling the races kind of free wheel like they did in the regular season? That's going to be very interesting to see.
2: It will be interesting to see for sure so definitely going to be intriguing uh for the playoffs here with i mean lots of strategy i mean we saw this opening round last year and and it definitely did not disappoint lots of action that goes on at darlington richmond and bristol so gonna be a fun first round so another thing we talked about today uh, was with brad doherty who is obviously a partial team owner of jtg doherty racing kind of unknown. What are they going to do for 2022? We found out today, uh, Brad Doherty said they will be scaling back to a one car organization in 2022. Uh, we don't know who will drive it. We don't know what the number will be, but we do know that they will not pursue another charter and they will run a one car charter team in 2022. He speaks on it here.
0: Yeah. So for our team, uh, you know, we, we've had just out of an okay year. Didn't, didn't run as well as we we would like to have at, at a lot of points. Uh, you know, we're excited. We're already looking forward to next year. We've got some good things happening over at our race company that we think are going to be significant. Uh, really help us, you know, prove our point as being a small team, a team that builds our own race cars and, and uh, wants to go race and race with those guys inside the top 15. And we've got some things happening where we think that will happen. Uh, no, we're, we're not going to uh, pursue another charter. You know, when we started out. Uh, I had a good buddy that told me about 10 years ago, there's no reason to have too bad we got one bad race team. Why have two? That just makes it even more difficult. That was Dale Jarrett, and uh, and it's true. You know, we we kind of got into this second race car just because we've been very very fortunate uh, with our sponsorship model. We've been able to have a, a, an excess of, of sponsorship dollars that uh, we were we had to put somewhere, and uh, we were asked to put into a second race team. So we did it for several seasons. Had a lot of fun with it. Made some of our business partners a lot of money, but made it really hard on our our focus. Uh, We want to be a really strong one-car race uh, company, and that's what we're going to go back to next season. And uh, we can't wait. We think we're going to really surprise people with our performance because we've got some great commitments uh, from some partners uh, in the business that we haven't had since I've been racing for 25 years. So looking forward to it.
2: It's very interesting there for the team owner Brad Doherty on their 2022 plans. It'll be interesting to see probably over the next few months, maybe uh what partners, what you know, alliances maybe they form. You know, who knows? It's it's so unpredictable going to this next gen, uh, next gen car year.
3: I know we only have a few minutes left here before I'm gonna to have to run. So I wanna talk cup series playoff field. Now, we're just gonna do the quick picks here. We're not going to dive into this deep because, really, I don't feel like you get a great evaluation of this till after the first race, kind of. It's going to shape up for everybody, but we know how this is going to go. We got four rounds, three races. You got to pick four drivers that you're going to eliminate. Who are your four that you see getting knocked out here in round one, and also who is your final four
2: that you see going the distance? All right, so. I look at Tyler Reddick, who's below the cut, as a guy who can go deep. So I will single him out of getting eliminated in the first okay, round. So I look at the tracks. He's I have made, to
3: look at, not all the way, but definitely out of round one. Yeah,
2: I have to look at you know the tracks we have coming up. Um, I think, unfortunately, Michael McDowell is probably going to be bumped out the first round. Um, I'm going to have to say Eric Amarola would probably be someone that I feel like is going to get bumped out of the first round. Um, I'd also have to take a look at possibly Christopher Bell, these next three tracks. They haven't done as well on the uh, the shorter track. Recently, they have well, but I feel like you just look at the competition, the playoffs, everyone's going to be on their A game. So I think Dow, Almirola, Christopher Bell, and then I'm going to go Brad Keslowski is going to be out of the first round, which is rare. Brad Keslowski is usually a guy who can go pretty deep. One year he was bumped out pretty early, which was, you know, many was a shock to many, but that two team has just been very off lately Uh, the last, you know, several weeks, even before the Roush announcement, you know, you can, you know, tie that into things as well, but it was, uh, I feel like it's been a rough stretch and I'd have to say they would be out of the first round.
3: So looking at the field here, I have to agree with you. I, I got to say Al Marola. I just haven't seen the consistency
2: yeah, from Eric Al Merle
3: and that team to, to get through here. The races we're talking about in round one, Darlington, Richmond, Bristol. Yep. I got to pick Kevin Harvick. I just haven't seen it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, at this point, if you could have, you would have. They got and no I playoff just, points. I just don't see it. Uh, getting out of that first round, just haven't seen the speed Michael McDowell. Of course, you know, we love Michael McDowell in this podcast. I just, I'm not seeing him getting out of the first round there. Uh, starting as low on the points as he is and needing to obviously score, but there's always going to be one that we go, how did they go out of the first round? There's always one where all it takes is you got wrapped up in a wreck at Bristol um, and you struggled at Darlington and then poof, you're gone. Yeah. Uh the person up there that I'm eyeballing as the I have no idea is Alex Bowman. I just don't know. Okay. I, I just don't know what I'm getting. We could see him win a race. We could see him be the what just happened. Yeah. Uh, I just I don't know about him or Brad Islowski. Those are the two that to me are the big wild card there. Could I see them going to the round of eight? Could I see them getting knocked out right now? Uh, Christopher Bell it's been a, a person that has traditionally succeeded at Bristol, succeeded at Richmond. I like him to move out of this round. I like that. So yeah. I look at that Alex Bowman, Brad K. move. And if I had to pick somebody, I'm probably just going to give the nod to some experience there with, with, with Brad Kay making it out. I, I would look at Alex Bowman as a guy, even though I love the speed they've shown multiple wins this year, three wins Chevrolet dominant. I feel like, Right now, if you ask me, I think Tyler Reddick probably has more momentum and I like him better at Darlington and Bristol uh, coming up as tracks that he circles on the calendar. So I really like Reddick and them putting something together to get out of this round. Somebody from that top's probably got to fall down. And I look at Alex Bowman. Yeah, for sure.
2: So you want to make our final four picks now or save them?
3: Let's make them now, because this is going to be really easy for me. Uh, Kyle Larson is the obvious shoe-in pick, number one, right? I love what I've seen out of Kyle Busch lately. I would pick him as number two. Chase Elliott. Love what I'm seeing out of him. And then I got to look at either Denny Hamlin or Ryan Blaney as, as my other. Maybe Joey Logano, just out of pure respect yeah. for Joey Logano and thinking maybe Penske can do it. Um, and if I had to pick somebody... Out of that little group of three, I'm going to probably give the nod to Joey Logano, just as the guy that has done it time and time again when you don't think he can do it, he does it every time. So my four, I would pick Larson, I would pick Kyle Busch, I'm picking Chase Elliott, and I'm picking Logano.
2: All right. So I'm going to go here. Usually I have three that I go. Usually whenever all these times when I'm making final four picks, I go three that I really think are going to make it. And then the random Penske car is my fourth pick because for some <laughs> reason, Every there's time. always a Penske car in there. So first I always, of course, got to go with Kyle Larson. He's, he's going to make it in for sure. I'm kind of going to swap your, your JGR pick. You went with Kyle Busch. I'm going to go with MTJ. Yeah, I think yeah. they can dial it up here at towards the end of the season with some tracks. I think this first Bob, round is, that is that a great opportunity.
3: A lot of yeah. certain package tracks where they've been successful.
2: Yeah. I think this round's a great opportunity to stack up some more playoff points. And then final round, to look at Martinsville as, you know, a great opportunity. Even if he's in a must-win situation, I think right. they can get it done. So I got Larson, Martin Truex Jr. I'm going to have to go defending champion Chase Elliott with Hendrick of Power. Uh, as Especially the road pick. course
3: there in that round. And yeah. yeah.
2: Exactly. And then here comes the random Penske car pick. So I've already eliminated Brad Kozlowski won't be him. And I'm just going to have to go, you know, with over reliable here has been very consistent, hasn't gotten the wins, um, you know, that, that he's needed. But I think Joey Logano kind of like what you were saying, I I would rely on Joey Logano. If we're picking him
3: him or Blaney, even though Blaney has been hotter. Yeah. I just, in the playoffs, I go with Old Reliable, Old, yep. old Faithful. Exactly. It's that Old spin Lugano. Fun Bob meme of them opening up Old Faithful, and it's <laughs> Joe Logano making the final four. So exactly. I think we're probably in line with that. So I got to run, RJ. Always great yep. talking to you. And I want to say something here before we wrap up. Thank you to everybody that's reaching out to me and the team. Caesar, uh Raja, the support for Alpha Prime Racing has been uh, really cool to see. Uh, it's been a long journey for me. So I just want to say thank you to everybody that helped get me here and all the people that are uh, supporting us now and in the future.
2: Exactly. I mean, such such a cool announcement. I mean, it can't be said enough. Alpha Prime Racing, you, Caesar Baccarella, and then Rajah Karuth running some races, and we'll see how the rest of the schedule uh, shapes out for next year. All the partners involved. Such a cool announcement. So glad you guys were able to make it at the Hall of Fame. And for me personally, uh, to, to end off this episode as well, it was so cool. Uh, to be at Daytona National Speedway this weekend to see everybody for the first time. So many drivers, so many teams that I met virtually over the past year and a half was able to see them, you know people coming up to me recognizing who I am. I mean, that's crazy. So it, it was so cool to be back at the racetrack this weekend in the xfinity garage i mean I, I tried to get there as early as i could and stayed as late as i could really uh it was such a cool experience so uh so thankful to be able to cover this weekend's races at daytona and it, it sure was a lot of fun so I appreciate you all tuning into this episode of the Drivers Meeting Podcast. Tom and Joe's got to head out. I got to head out. It has been a busy media day, and it's going to be a busy couple of weeks, couple 10 weeks uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs and for the rest of the season. We'll have all the things you need to know on this podcast, and I'm sure there will be another great episode next week. So thank you all for tuning in. We'll see you next week.